You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I kind of want to just pick up where we left off last Sunday because I felt like we kind of left off in the middle of a conversation. So I want to just kind of pick back up where we kind of... uh, left it last Sunday. And uh, if you were not here last Sunday, and I know there may be many of you that weren't, um, I just want to let you know that a lot of the information that we covered, uh, we've kind of tried to condense that down into a kind of a five, I think, page front and back uh, handout. And those are available on the welcome table. So if you've heard about phase two and aren't quite sure what all that was about, you can just kind of pick that up. It explains pretty clearly um, what was presented here last week. So I want to kind of just pick up and I want to talk about the miracle uh, that Jesus did in the feeding of the 5,000. And we've been reading that account from John's gospel, chapter six, beginning there in verse one. And there it says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, Jesus asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, said, there's a boy here, young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so there's nothing wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now there's actually really something that... um, about this event here in in John 6, the feeding of the 5,000, that cannot be said about any other miracle that Jesus did. And do you know what it is? This is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, why is that? Well, one reason is God wants to highlight how extremely important this miracle is, and he doesn't want any of you to miss what he's trying to say to us through it. So this morning, I want to kind of look at what Jesus does here, and I want to kind of approach it through three different headings. An impossible situation, an unforeseen solution, and an unbelievable supply. An impossible situation, an unforeseen solution, and an unbelievable, or uh, yes, supply. Now first, an impossible situation. At this point when Jesus does this, he is at a place in his life and his ministry where his popularity level is extremely high. 
He has healed many, many people. He's casted out demons. His teachings were being received with anointing. People commented how he spoke with such authority. Jesus is at the pinnacle of his popularity among the people. So as a result of this, Jesus and his disciples, they were just mobbed everywhere they went. So at one point, they decided they were going to take a break, get, in, get some rest. They got into a boat, and they went over across the lake to get away from the pressing, growing needs of the crowd. Now, unfortunately, the crowd kind of watched where they were going and followed after them on foot. So when Jesus and the disciples' boat pulled up to the shore, there were the crowds on the shoreline waiting for them. So Jesus, rather than getting annoyed and, and, and just going somewhere else, Jesus just spends the day with this crowd teaching them. And the whole time, more and more people are coming and the crowd, it, it, it's, it's just increasing. At some point in the late afternoon, Jesus realizes we've got a problem Uh, Not a life and death problem. He says there's just a pressing need. The people were growing hungry. They had not brought any food with them. So Jesus looks at one of his disciples, Philip, and he says, hey, Phil, how are we going to feed all of these people? Philip looks out over the crowd, which again is 5,000 men, Now, again, Marilyn spoke to this. Matthew's account reminds us of this miracle. This is just the men alone. It's not counting the women and the children that would have been in that crowd as well. So you're talking probably a multitude of people, maybe 15, 20, 25,000. Philip looks at the mob, the crowd, and then back at Jesus And with just this incredible faith, he says, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person here just to have a small little bite. In other words, this is impossible, Jesus. Send them away. Now, one of the things we know about God is Every impossibility that exists with man, there exists a possibility with God. Mark 10, 27 affirms this. With people, it is impossible. There are some things God wants to do in your life, through your life, about your life circumstances that are impossible to you. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're thinking of situations and circumstances in your life and you feel overwhelmed, paralyzed by the impossibility. There's no way this can happen. You are in the perfect place because what is impossible with you becomes possible with God. Whatever is impossible for us in terms of whatever God wills or desires, whatever God's plan for your life is, and it's bigger, it's greater than anything you could ever hope, think, or imagine. Whatever that plan is, whatever purpose God has for your life is possible with him. 
And so Philip looks out over this multitude and he sees the impossible situation. And he says, we have no financial means. We have no earthly resources to satisfy the needs of the crowd. Now again, we tend to want to just move through the story very quickly. But oftentimes we need to just stop and allow the impossibility of this situation to just sink into our hearts and into our minds. We gotta take time to feel the impossibility of this. We gotta feel what Philip felt there. We gotta recognize, we gotta acknowledge, we gotta enter into as, as much as possible the circumstances and the impossibility of that situation. Has there ever been a time in your life where you just kind of felt the situation or the circumstances that you were facing felt impossible to you? Again, we'll never fully appreciate or take away from this story what God wants us to unless we really recognize and come to terms with how impossible this situation was to feel what Philip felt in that moment as he looked at that situation. So it goes from an impossible situation, too many people, not enough food or resources, to what I call the unforeseen solution which Philip doesn't know at this point, but Jesus does. Now one of the fascinating and, and key verses, and, and of, of all of the verses in this miracle, I spent the most time camped out on, it was verse six. Jesus was testing Philip. For Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Now that's very, very interesting to me because Jesus already knew the answer. He already knew the solution. He already knew what the possible was in this impossible situation. But before he does anything, he takes a moment and he pauses and he allows this situation to teach Philip or to test him, as the text says. Now, some translations will use the word prove, uh, to try, to tempt, whatever word you find there in your translation. The testing that Jesus is taking a moment to allow here to happen is being applied in a good sense, and it is being done in order to ascertain, to reveal, to make known to Philip's heart his character, his views, or his feelings about the situation at hand. Now this is so important. Jesus is using the impossibility of this situation, this opportunity at hand to engage and to reveal to Philip his thoughts, his feeling, his attitudes as to how he perceived the, the, the pressing, hungry crowd before him. Now, I'll just tell you from my own personal experience, I had a similar moment when Marilyn first shared this with the elders and the trustee board what she shared here last Sunday, she shared that two weeks ago in our elder trustee meeting. And if you were here last week, you remember that she kind of read the story to us from John chapter six that I read to you. And she said that God asked her, Marilyn, what's in your purse? 
what's in your wallet? And she said, five dollars. He said, I want you to get that out. I want you to take that to Pastor Jeff. I want you to tell him the story. And then I want you to give that $5 to him. And I want you to ask him to look to heaven, bless it. So she did. As we were doing that, God began to use this in my heart. And I'm thinking as she does this, I gotta tell you, I understood where the disciples were in that because in John chapter six, verse nine, their reaction to all of this going on is, but what are they? Two fish, five loaves, what are these? Against so many, 20,000 hungry people. What is this compared to that great need? I gotta tell you, my heart said to me when Marilyn gave me that $5 bill, I'm like, what good is this compared to the greater need of $150,000 to do what we're wanting to do in phase two? What is this? What good is this? That's where my heart was in that moment. Next day, I got to my office and I was reading through John 6 and I, I came to that verse there. Verse six, Jesus was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. In that moment, I felt as if the text was saying, Jesus was testing Jeff. For he already knows what he's going to do. And I realized as Jesus was using this to reveal, to make known Philip, his character, his views, his feelings, his outlook, his prognosis concerning the situation that was before him, God was doing a similar thing to me in my heart. God said to me, Jeff, what Marilyn did in that meeting with the $5, what was the response of your heart? The response of my heart was, this is impossible I think we're probably just wasting time here. I don't really believe that God can multiply this little amount to meet this greater need, but I'll play along. We'll just kind of pat her on the head figuratively. We'll play cater, and then we'll kind of really get to what we believe really matters or what we think is really going to work. And I'm guessing as Marilyn did that same thing here last Sunday morning, As you added your fish and your loaves to her fish and loaves, I'm guessing that maybe the attitude of some of you in this place was, God, I don't believe this is possible. The need is too great among so few people and resources. So just like in the response of my heart to this challenge, it may be that Jesus is going to use this challenge as a teaching or testing time for you. He wants to reveal your thoughts, your character, your attitudes regarding the situation that is before us as a congregation. Again, just as it was for Philip, the purpose is always for our good. He's not trying to reveal something bad. He's trying to reveal something that he wants to do, that he wants to take you deeper. 
that he wants to prove himself to you as faithful. In other words, God wants us to pass the test. He wants us to use the situation, the circumstance that seems impossible for us to increase the level of our faith in him and to see the possibility, potential of what God could do. I mean, think about this. Who but God would ever set out to feed 5,000 hungry men plus an additional 15,000 women and children with just two fish and five loaves and not just satisfy their hunger. I mean, they're talking about buying enough that everybody could just get a bite. What Jesus did, he gave them more than just a bite. It says he filled them till they were full. Who but God would do that? And the plan Jesus had, listen, get your mind around this. The plan Jesus had involves something so outrageously, insultingly insufficient and inadequate. Two fish, five loaves among 20,000 people. It's so ludicrous. It is so out there that God had to be involved in it if it was ever going to succeed. God loves those kind of odds. Who but God would create such a lopsided opportunity in order to make the simple point, I have a plan for whatever you're going through. From the greatest challenges you may face from the simple everyday routine such as food, clothing, and shelter. I got you covered. I got your back. I've got a plan. You may not know what it is, but I know what it is. And before I move on your behalf, I want to just kind of use this as an opportunity to kind of reveal what's going on in your heart in regards to this. What is your heart saying about this situation. Jesus says, not only do I know what I'm gonna do, he says, I also know how I'm gonna do that. And don't be concerned or shocked if what I'm gonna ask you to do looks absolutely ridiculous, inadequate, insufficient to meet the hand to meet the need at hand. So last Sunday, Marilyn gave her $5. Those of you who were here had the chance to add your fish and loaves to her, and we looked to heaven. We gave it to God. We said, God, would you bless this? And the total of that offering was $8,467.80. Oh, you're gonna get more excited here in a minute. The total of that offering, that amount, represented to me the fish and the loaves that we brought. And we just put them into the hands of Jesus to see what are you going to do with this. It's interesting that right after the disciples bring Jesus to the two fish and the five loaves, verse 10 instructs the disciples. Jesus instructs the disciples there in verse 10. He says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. They sat down, waited, watched. I think there was an expectancy in the air. What is Jesus going to do with this? And that's where we are today in the reenactment of this story. We're sitting down. 
We're waiting, watching with great expectancy. What is Jesus? What is he going to do with this? Last Sunday morning, even before the second service ended, they're kind of thinking, okay, God, I'm not really sure where we're going with this, and, and this is a big challenge for me because I love doing series, and I love having them plan four, six, eight weeks out in advance. And it's just like right now, right now, it's just kind of like, okay, this Sunday's done, and, and where to now? And so as we ended second service, and I was standing there in the back, and, and we were just worshiping, I think the offering was going on, there was a phrase from that hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Sang it last Sunday, we sang it again this morning, and God just dropped it into my heart like a brick. Just like, poof. And, I, and I, I even wrote it down on the back of my sermon notes that I had back down there. And not only was this a word for me, but I think this is a word to our congregation. As we're sitting and waiting, and just watching with great anticipation and expectation of what Jesus is going to do with those fish and loaves we gave. And it was this phrase, oh, for grace to trust him more. As I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm waiting with great expectation and anticipation as I wait. Oh God, give me grace to trust you more. $8,400, it's a great start, but God, give me grace to trust you more. As God takes what looks to me and maybe to you an impossible situation and to make it possible in between the lapse of the impossible and the possible, God, would you pour out your grace on me to trust you for more. As I wait for the miraculous to unfold and the multiplication to manifest, oh, for grace to wait, to watch, to trust you more. That is the testing ground, folks. This is the proving place for us right now. We need to just sit and wait and watch with great anticipation and expectation to see what God is going to do. And as we wait, let God drop this into your heart. Oh, for grace to trust him more. That's where my heart is. And I believe this is where God wants to position your hearts before him this morning as we sit, as we wait, as we watch. Oh, for grace to trust him more. God, would you just pour out your grace in greater and greater measure 
to take my heart to deeper and deeper levels of faith and trust you more. Now, this is where the miracle we were waiting for took a very welcomed and unexpected, I'm calling it a wonderfully curious, marvelously complicated turn. If you were here last Sunday at the second service or perhaps you heard what happened during the second service as I was kind of wrapping up my challenge to the congregation, Mark Mulkey spontaneously came forward toward the end of my challenge last Sunday and said that God spoke to him and told him to give 75000 toward the 150000 needed to complete phase two and then challenged the congregation to match his amount. And he said, this amount, my pledge would be paid out over the span of a five-year period. So that ended last Sunday's service. I... You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> so that ended last Sunday's service, and I did not react. I did not respond. I did not go up to Mark. And I did not say a word because my instructions from God were to come do what we did last Sunday. And then he said, I just, I don't want you to worry about anything. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to get ahead of me on this. I just want you to wait on me. So I went home and I put up fence posts. Last Sunday afternoon, invited all of you to come. None of you showed up. Thank you very much. And I was just going to wait. Okay, God, it's in your hands now. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to try to get anxious. I'm not going to try to get ahead of you. I'm not going to try to figure out what you're going to do or how you're going to use all of this. And on the surface, it seemed like to many, many people that the miracle had begun in that pledge. And there just was not a settledness in my heart about that. I kept going to God and just saying something, I, it, it's, it's, it's awesome, it's wonderful, God. I just don't feel like that's what you're wanting to really do here. And so I just kind of sensed in my spirit, God said, no, the miracle is coming. He said, just keep waiting, just keep watching. And so as the week kind of unfolded, I felt like God was giving me a word that I'm to speak to Mark and Judy uh, this morning, but it is also a word that is being spoken to another couple here in our congregation. I met with them privately. Uh, they chose not to go public um, with what God had spoken to them, and, and I'm going to honor that. I did meet with them. I have given them um, the word that I'm going to give to Mark uh, and Judy um, here in just a moment. It's also going to be a word. It's going to be an invitation to some of you in the congregation this morning that if you want to walk in that level, um, God's going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. But this is a word specifically for Mark and Judy and then one other couple in our congregation, and they are here this morning. And before I give that word, I want to read a scripture because it's going to set the stage for, for what I think and what I believe God is going to do. Matthew 17, beginning with verse 24, and just kind of stay with me because the story is kind of an interesting one. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher, Jesus, pay the temple tax? Peter replied, yes, he does. Then Peter went into the house. Before Peter had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the children or the citizens are free. I love, some translations say the children are free. It says, however, we don't want to offend them. 
So go down to the lake, throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Now there's a lot I could say about this story, and someday I may. But what I want to focus on, again, I want you to, to see the unexpected, crazy, bizarre, out in left field way Jesus provided for the temple tax. Now, some of you may not know this, but among Jesus uh, and his disciples, Jesus had a treasurer. His name was Judas. And Judas was in charge of the treasury. And that would indicate to me uh, that Jesus had money. Or why else would you need a treasurer or treasury? So it says to me that Jesus very easily could have just reached in to the treasury, he could have just simply said to Judas, hey Judas, we need this amount out of the treasury, can you just give it to me and we'll go and we'll pay the temple tax. Jesus doesn't do that. Rather, he uses a very different, odd, crazy, bizarre, somewhat unorthodox means to acquire the necessary money. And you know what Peter does? He just obeys, grabs his fishing pole, and off he goes, and he returns with the exact amount needed to satisfy the required temple tax. Now, with that story in mind, let me give the word publicly to the Malkies, because you made the intent of your pledge, what God was leading you to do publicly, and I feel like God wants this word spoken over you publicly before this congregation. Before I do that, let me just give this affirmation. Mark, I know you hear from God. There's not a doubt in my heart that you hear from God. The very sanctuary we are sitting in this morning is testimony that you hear and are obedient to the voice of God. You and I have talked about this before, talked about it again yesterday, that when God speaks to you, you do your best to hear that and to be obedient to that. So I take very serious, and it's why I did not respond. I, I wanted to bring it before God to say, okay, God, I believe he heard from you. I just want to know how, are you, how do you want to use that? So I know God speaks to you. God gave you a picture of what this sanctuary was to look like and you were obedient to it and you did it. When I was in the final negotiations of bringing Pastor Jason on our staff as our worship leader, no one else other than our leadership knew what I was working on. And I had been working on this for probably about a year and a half and one day, I know you remember this, you walked up to me not knowing I had been working on this process with Jason for about the last year and a half. And you said to me, I don't know his name, but I think it's Karen Mankins. I think it's Mankins' son-in-law. And by the way, he still calls you uh, that guy. <laughs> and you said to me, I had a dream and it's Mankin's son-in-law. I don't know his name, but he's supposed to be our worship leader. I about fell over when you said that to me because you had no idea what I was doing. And that was just a confirmation in my heart that I needed at that time to move forward. So I take very, very serious. And, and I, 
listen. And I've, and I've always told you, Mark, if you feel like God's speaking to you about something and he wants you to, to tell me, tell me, because I know you hear from God. And, and oftentimes God may use that just as a confirmation um, for me in, in where we're going as a congregation. So last Sunday when you stood before this congregation, and I believe with great conviction and emotion, you said God told you to give the 75000 toward the completion of phase two. And I just want to acknowledge before you and this congregation, I know God spoke to your heart uh, in that moment. Here's the word for you and Judy. Here's the word for this other couple I met with on Friday. They know who they are. And I believe this is from God. And I, I've written this down, and I'll give each of you guys uh, copies of that. So here it is. You will honor the pledge and the commitment God led you to make before this congregation, but it will not take you five years to fulfill it. It may take you five days, five weeks, five months, but it will not take you five years. I believe the miracle that God wants to do and is going to do is he's gonna bring forth this amount and more. Jesus didn't just supply the needs he provided for 12 baskets of leftover. There's gonna be leftover in this. And I believe God is gonna do that, Mark, in a way that is going to amaze you. It will be a confirmation that, that God was all over this. It's gonna rock your world. It's gonna increase your faith. Not that you don't have faith, you have faith. God's just gonna take it to a deeper and a bigger level. And God, Judy used the analogy of, of feeling like God is calling you too to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. And I said to Judy, he's doing that because there's those of us that are sitting in the boat that are gonna watch that and our faith is gonna be increased as we watch you walk upon the water. I believe God's gonna speak to you and I believe God will make it absolutely abundantly clear and I just got the sense yesterday as we sat where we sat yesterday and visited, that will be the place as you just quiet your heart before him in that place, God will speak abundantly and clearly to you how he's gonna do this and what he needs you to do in cooperation with him. And Mark and Judy, it may be, in this other couple, I said, it may be something so bizarre, so out there in left field, it may be something so ridiculous as just grabbing your fishing pole and going fishing. I don't know what it's gonna be, but I know you will know, and if you'll just obey, God will provide you with the whole amount, and you're not gonna need to take it from the treasury of what you already have. As you wait on him, do not become anxious, do not become worried, you don't need to strategize. You just need to quiet your heart before him and wait and listen. Like Jesus with the five loaves, two fish, he already knows what he's gonna do. He already has the plan to bring this about. And again, he just wants you to quiet your hearts before him, wait on him, listen for his voice. You know how to do that, I know you do. And keep this prayer before him. Oh, for grace 
to trust you more. You and this other couple, there's just one other thing that God spoke to me to speak to me, and that is you have been a faithful and a good steward of worldly resources, and God is getting ready to release to you and over you kingdom resources. And with that, he will give you wisdom, discernment, and strategies of how he wants you to steward that. And I believe that is the word that God has for you and for this other couple. So here's what we're going to do. In a few minutes, I'm going to, I'm, I'm bringing out the big guns on this one. And Pastor Jim is going to pray over you. Um, I've invited this other couple. If they wish to come forward to be prayed over as well, they may do that this morning. But I want to just say, if there are others of you here this morning, and you feel like God has placed maybe or spoken into your spirit the way he did with Mark and Judy and this other couple, if you feel like God has spoken an amount into your heart this morning, um, you don't need to make that public. I don't need to know what that is. That is just your heart and God's heart. He knows. If you have made that commitment in your heart, God will honor that word that I just spoke to them as well. And you can come forward at the same time and Pastor Jim will uh, pray for you as well. See, here's the good news. I don't believe we're gonna need a loan to get this done. Not because we can't or we shouldn't. We're just not gonna need to. It won't be necessary. Because I believe the miracle that we're going to see is God is going to provide for our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I believe that we are coming to a place in this congregation where God is going to begin to take some of you a whole lot deeper and we're going to begin to start living more closely to kingdom principles than we have ever lived before. Amen? Now... For those of you here this morning that were not here last Sunday, did not get to participate in the giving of the fishes and loaves, we're going to give you an opportunity to be a part of that. The ushers are going to pass the offering baskets around again. And again, this is just your opportunity to add what's already been given uh, in the fish and loaves. As I said last Sunday, don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of compulsion. There's absolutely no pressure. Please feel no pressure. There's no expectation in this at all. If you were here last Sunday and you've already given, I am not asking you to give again. I'm just asking for people who were not able to be here that want to be a part of this uh, and, and ask for an opportunity. Will I be able to be a part of this? And I said, yes, we'll, we'll make an opportunity for you this Sunday. Lastly, and I'm going to tell you what, this to me is the most important part of this message. And I, I want every heart to hear this this morning. Last week I received an email from someone requesting prayer from someone they knew who was on the verge of losing their entire farming operation. Their land, their farming equipment, not to mention the very means by which they have been able to provide a living for their family for generations was all being taken from them. 
This farm and everything that went with it had been passed down through the years and it was no longer gonna be able to be passed on to the next generation. And obviously this family is devastated and they feel like all hope is lost and their future is uncertain. What do you say? This person in the email said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. My heart is so heavy. My heart is broken over this. What do you say to a family who's worked so hard and everything that they've worked so hard for is just slipping through their fingers and there's nothing you can do about it or to stop it? Here's what I say. Here's my prayer for them. Oh, for grace to trust you more. There may be some of you here this morning and you couldn't care less about some stinking building project. As a matter of fact, maybe you're kind of annoyed that we're even talking about it in comparison to what you're going through because your back's against the wall. Maybe you're here this morning, you just feel like all hope is lost and you don't know what to do or where to turn and you are so overwhelmed and you're overcome by the troubles of this world. God's word to you this morning is, oh, for grace to trust you more. Some of you may be facing financial impossibilities this morning. Some of you may be looking at devastated relationships in your life. Some of you have not been able to find work and the bills are piling up. Some of you feel like the Israelites with the red seat of their back and the enemy is all around them and there's nowhere to turn. Moses says to them and God would say to you, do not be afraid. Stand still, be still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Oh, for grace to trust him more. That God would pour out a sufficient measure of his grace that would sustain you right now that would renew your hope that that grace of God would come in the form of peace to guard your hearts and your minds and that his hand will provide every need you have according not to your riches but to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you are here this morning and you just need a measure of grace to trust him more, I invite you. This is who the message was really for this morning. If that is you this morning, God wants to assure your heart. He wants to quiet your heart before him this morning, and he wants to just speak, and he wants to just infuse in you that grace that will trust him more. So if that's you this morning, I want you to come forward. We're going to have people here. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray for you. Mark and Judy, um, I want you guys, uh, and, and those of you that are responding to that, I want you guys to come forward now. And, and we're, uh, Jim, I want you to anoint them. Um, I, and we're going to pray over you. If any others would like to join and to stand with Mark and Judy this morning, you are free uh, to do that um, at this moment. When, when that is done, we are going to uh, take up the uh, offering, and then we're just going to kind of close where I want there just to be some ministry time for those of you this morning that really are hurting, and you really just need that grace this morning just to trust him for more. God gave me three scriptures for you, uh, Mark and Judy. 
and you'll, others will be able to embrace this, I'm sure. And this first one is for about another visionary called Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, he's, he had this encounter, and he saw this golden lampstand with bowls of oil on top of it. And then the angel, he asked the angel when he saw this, he says, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? And the angel said, don't you know? And he said, no, my Lord. And then he said to Zerubbabel, it's not, this is what the Lord says to you, Zerubbabel. It's not by force, it's not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And he says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And John 15 was the next one that says, a remain, abide in me, and I will remain and abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the last one is in Hebrews eleven six. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. of their hearts, Lord. Open the eyes that they may see you high and lifted up with your glory filling their temples. Open the eyes and their ears. Open them up, O Lord God, to the greater things, greater than what they see with the natural God. You want to unveil yourself, revealing the one, the Jehovah Jireh, the all-sufficient one the one with the multitude of wisdom and manifold ways of moving above and beyond all they can ask or think or even imagine, Lord God, even imagine, even the visionary God, you are able to blow that out of the water with your power, with your ability, and with your voice. Father, we just gaze upon your glory right now, Lord God, and we just thank you for the grace to gaze. For the grace to stand, O oh God, a man of action, a woman of action, a woman of action, a man after your own heart that are willing to sit and to gaze and to wait upon the Lord and have their strength renewed, have their faith renewed, have their hope renewed, have their visions renewed, have their lives renewed, have their families renewed. God, you're going to manifest something that will go beyond and above anything else we can know. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for the grace and the manifestation of a strength, of power, of obedience that will absolutely shock themselves. Father, I give you permission to surprise them, Holy Spirit. We open the realm of the unexpected. We open the realm of the more than enough, oh Lord God, that the joy unspeakable, even in this waiting, the joy that will accompany the waiting room, oh Lord God, oh Father God, you will begin to encounter them in the place of waiting on you that they may have a joy and a happiness of their heart, Father God, because as they wait, your presence increases. As they see you lifted up, you will increase and lift up them. Father, I just thank you for that in your name. 
Father, we just thank you. We just open up, Lord. Open up the hearing again. We thank you. And let the two become one in this. Bind them together and bind this church together with you, with them, Father. Let us be ones that will abide in you. Let us be a people that will remain in you. Let us be those who will pray for one another, who will pray for these couples, O Lord God. Father, give us a heart and a confidence to stand before you again, O Lord God, and know that you are the Lord, our provider, and there is nothing too hard for you. Lord, I just thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, fill them up with your Holy Spirit and power. Fill them up with great grace. Let them be amazed. Amazed at your grace. Amazed. Amazement. Hallelujah. Fill them to the overflow and begin to awaken faith in this house, in our hearts. And give us knowing, Lord, that that vision of the anointing that Zerubbabel saw, I decree and declare right now, God wants to give you a vision of the anointing. He wants to give you sight to see the anointing, the power of God manifested in this place and in your life. And Lord, we just thank you for the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of seeing the anointing, these bowls of your anointing flowing, flowing into the church, flowing into our lives, flowing into our families, flowing into our need, flowing, oh Lord God, in the multiplication process, the anointing, the power and presence flowing here, oh Lord God, that you get the glory, Jesus, that you get the glory, Father, that all that you do in this house, we declare and we covenant with you, God. We will not touch what is holy and take the glory for ourselves, Father. We say all glory be to you, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen amen. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to just invite, uh, is just the ushers to go ahead and uh, to take up the, that uh, offering of the fish and loaves. And again, this is just be led in this. Uh, don't feel pushed or compelled. Uh, th- that's not what God's looking for this morning. God's just looking for people like that little boy that are just, here's what little I have to give. But God, I just believe you're able to take this, to use it, and to multiply it for the greater need. And you just want to participate in that. Again, there is absolutely no pressure to do that. While they're doing that, and we kind of close in worship, um, communion is here. You can kind of just come this morning, uh, just take that uh, bread, dip it in the juice. We partake by intinction. Again, it's just a great way uh, to acknowledge that God has provided everything that we need, both in this life and for godliness. And again, that's what communion uh, is a representation of. He has provided for our needs this morning uh, forgiveness, for healing, for wholeness, for peace, deliverance. So again, we want to just be able to provide that opportunity here for you this morning. And then if you are here this morning and you just need prayer, uh, you're in a place this morning and you just need grace this morning to trust in for more. We want to just pray and anoint you uh, this morning. So I'm just going to invite uh, people to be here this morning just to pray for those of you that need that grace. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.